What up, what up, party people? Happy Monday. It is a damn good day to have a fantastic, phenomenal day. This is Ian Lenhart coming at you live from Miami, Florida, and I'm excited. I'm excited because COVID's going down. The world's slowly dripping back to normal. Things are moving up in the world. I feel like we're on a good path. 2020, it's like that gremlin around the corner. You look around, 2020's looking back at you like, mm-hmm, I'm about to send something else your way. Hopefully not, but we're here. I'm excited for you guys to be listening in today. The message of the day is meet your neighbor. Meet your neighbor. And what does that mean? It means anytime that you have the opportunity to just meet the person next to you, say, hey, I love your hair. Hey, fantastic watch. Or hello, where did you get that hair tie? Like whatever it is, whatever gets you to talk to that person, that is an entire new opportunity into an entire new world. Talk about business opportunities. Talk about personal connections. Talk about just meeting people. The people that can do that little thing end up having such magnificent results in life. You have no idea who this person is. And chances are, nine out of 10 people won't say hi to that person next to them. So instantly, you already have this high upper level advantage over everyone else because you at least said hi. Chances are, they're gonna say hi back unless, you know, homie's having a bad day. But when you just meet your neighbor, you meet the person that you're sitting next to across when you're at the airport, at the bus, hanging out at the shampoo or the salon, whatever it is, when you meet someone, it just opens new doors. If you can create a habit out of that, you'll make so much more friends. You'll just open yourself up to just new experiences. And honestly, isn't that really what life's all about? New experiences, meeting great people, good vibes, good times. And speaking of putting yourself out here, today I have an absolute legend on the show. If you ever watch the UFC, you know, you're into MMA, all that good stuff, chances are you have come across a media personality known as the Schmo. Well, the Schmo's real name is Dave Schmullinson, and he is an absolute legend. Such a hard worker and just built an incredible brand. I mean, we're talking about somebody that tried so hard to get your typical job inside of the media and reporting world and just got denied and got denied. And it was just an insane come up of just depression, right? You know, just constantly being told, no, you're not good enough. And you're sitting there like, "Mm mm-hmm. I am good enough. I'll do whatever it takes. And that's the attitude that Dave has that has transformed him into creating his own niche. This whole idea of sports comedy, adding your own personality and spin to something that's kind of boring. Hello, how are you doing today? Kind of boring. Hello, how are you doing today? You know, you get a little bit of juice going. And he has such a distinct way of having interviews and athletes all around the world inside of the UFC just respond so well because of the authenticity and the funness and the personality. So I seriously think the schmo is paving the way for an entire new era of just sports media in general. On this episode, we discuss the behind the scenes of building a media company. What exactly is sports comedy? Branding yourself in a way to stand out. The pros and cons of today's reporting. And how to gain the respect of incredibly respected individuals. And I want to say that one again because I am so blown away at how Dave, the schmo, has been able to just gain his roots. Literally pave his way. Had no person just helping him out. He did it himself. He built this brand. Him and his girlfriend, Dream Team, they're doing big things. As always, you can watch this podcast with the Schmo and I live on YouTube. And so, without further ado, episode 106 with Dave, aka the Schmo. Let's jump into it.
and we're live. Dave's in the building, the man, the myth, the legend. You've rebranded yourself into this amazing human that is one of the most entertaining people on the internet. And I'm super excited you're here. Welcome to the show. Ian, it's, I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to be here from Abu Dhabi. So like you're, you just go to Abu Dhabi every time Fight Island happens. Like how did that, like how, do you front the bill on that? Or are you just like sending it every time because you love it? Uh, I'll tell you what, man, this is the second one. This is the second Fight Island and this is the second time I'm here. And yes, this is coming out of pocket, but but not without the hustle of getting sponsorships to pay for those bills. So yes, it's coming out of pocket. However, wouldn't be here unless I was able to make money. A hundred percent. And your ability to be able to take a brand, like so many people are trying to do what you're doing right now. And the UFC is such an open space, right? It's like so new. It's, it's just on the come up. It's only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you have, I mean, and I know it wasn't an overnight success. It must've taken years to get like where you're at right now. You've been able to create this brand, create this relationship with fighters and people to get people to open up. I mean, you're one of the best podcasters, one of the best interviewers, because you're, you're like, people don't realize like you're, well, at first you see the schmo, right? And the schmo is this fun character that you've created, but Dave is a whole new beast. Like, can you tell me about pre like UFC pre schmo and like what that looked like five years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this journey really started uh, back in 2012 when I graduated uh, the University of Arizona. You know, my senior year, I was at a crossroads. I was studying for the LSAT. Um, uh, definitely always wanted to be in sports, but it was a decision to make where I was at the University of Arizona covering our basketball and football team. I had a preview show for Cat Nation. So um, while I was studying for the LSAT, I was doing these interviews as Dave, as myself. And that's where kind of the love and the passion and the fire where really outweighed everything else where it's like wow i don't why am i studying for the lsat why am i trying to get into sports law sports management be a sports agent i want to be a sports caster and um so when i graduated the university of arizona i needed to get an internship um in sports uh broadcasting never had that really before i ended up uh working for free actually paying to intern because it cost 20 plus dollars to park in downtown chicago uh, but I was interning for free Comcast Sports at Chicago and personal training on the side to pay the bills. Um, you know, the whole dream was to, uh, obviously the traditional route was to break into a top 150 market, be a weekday news anchor, weekend uh, sports or weekday sports anchor, whatever it was. And um, pretty much the only job offers I got were in Dothan, Alabama uh, to do that after my internship and, I, I had I had a crossroads. I decided to move to Los Angeles at the time. Uh, Fox Sports One was starting up, and yeah, basically five years ago. I know I just gave you a whole runaround there. Uh, it's been a crazy journey, but five years ago, I was calling up every single network. I was just doing whatever I can. I was working in corporate America. I was five years ago would have been what 2015. Were you getting like some good hits too? Like when you're just in full grind mode and you're just hitting up all these networks, did you probably meet some no. pretty awesome people or not? I mean, I've, I've met a lot of different people, but the fact of the matter is nobody wanted to give David Schmolenson a chance. Nobody gave me a chance. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And I didn't have connections. So I had to build everything from scratch. I had to meet people 
and I had a grind. I was working in corporate America five years ago. And, you know, back in those days, I thought, look, I'll do whatever it takes to, to work for Fox Sports and NBC Sports and ESPN. And um, man, uh, but yeah, about five years ago, though, was when the schmo was born. That's when the concepts, the visualization uh, and the um, things started moving. Does it, what does that process look like? Do you, like, for me personally, I call myself Len Jones. To me, it's like such a fun thing. I love the word Jones. It just makes you smile every single day. This podcast is called Len Jones Party of Two. My name's Len Hart. It's something that I just naturally do to myself. With the schmo, is that something your friends called you when you were younger? Or did you just like have this shower moment where you're like, well, damn, here it is. So my last name is Schmolenson. My friends call me Schmol, Schmolies, uh, Schmol. Wait, real quick side note. I called you Ian. Is that okay? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's my real name. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. My bad. Uh, <laughs> I could call you Len Jones. If that, that's, that's best. No, I don't, but, I, uh, people call it whatever. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, my whole life, my, my last name is Schmolenson, Schmol, Schmolies, Schmoles. That's always kind of been there. So that's always there. Um, uh, uh, grant my old grandmother and just around like the Yiddish language, like don't be a putz, don't be a schmuck, don't be a schmo. That language is always ingrained in me as a child too. So um, it, it was just a spinoff of my last name and just kind of that uh, reviving that Yiddish funny, which is a funny language from my childhood. So it's a combination of the two. And obviously at the time it was uh, uh, some good small, uh, solid smoking sessions, a lot of marijuana and and a creative person like myself and just opportunities to separate myself, you know, um, it, it kind of clicked one, one thing led to another. Do you feel like the, the full vision was realized the second it did click? Like, you know what, we're going to build an entire media brand around this character or was it more like, Hey, we're going to just be myself. And next thing you know, you're seeing likes, you're seeing shares, people are feeling it and you're like, all right, let's put some more gasoline on this fire. I think a little bit of mix of both. I think part and a big, big reason of why I created this character is the entire sports media industry has desperately needed change for years, for decades. It's been the same repetitive BS. Well, you got a home run. You went two for four. You hit a, you know, uh, you struck out like, and then you get these journalists that are so lazy. Like somebody wins the World Series, somebody um, gets the game-winning touch, and how does it feel? Talk to me about this. It's it's not real stuff. And every single industry needs to change. You know, I say this all the time. What happened to Toys R Us? They went bankrupt. In the early 2000s, they didn't believe in the internet. They let Amazon handle all their distribution and fulfillment. If you don't innovate, you die. No industry is exempt from that, especially sports media. That's why you've seen countless layoffs across the ESPNs, the Fox Sports, the Sports Illustrated. You get this old, I call them the dinosaurs, these old dinosaurs, these old white men, these decision makers that think that it needs to be this certain way. They're the people that I've been battling for years since that 2012. Um, they, they just don't want change. They, they refuse to change. They, they refuse to adapt. The internet's the wild, wild west. It's changing every single day, every single week. You have to be innovative and you have to adapt. So with this character, why I created it is because, look, I can break down these walls. I'm mocking the system in a way, but I'm able to be self-deprecating, which is an extension of who I am as, as myself growing up outside of Chicago, the Chicago Second City Legends, you know, uh, the sports heroes. It's everything uh, and, uh, and taking my childhood and putting it into a modern day spin with honoring the legends of the past. 
Um, and so this character is mocking that type of system in a way, but also showcasing personalities and getting the best out of everybody I interview. Yeah, because you, you, you take people's barriers down the second you meet them. And people like sportscasters, you can't, like you mentioned, and that's really hard to do. It's like, oh, welcome to NBC. Like, it's all scripted. It's all fake. It's just like everyone's so scared of what they say. But like, I think something that makes Joe Rogan so special is he has the comedian aspect. And because he's a comedian, you can get way more real and do way more stuff without getting in trouble. And your ability to go and break people down, maybe you'll feel comfortable. They'll want to share with you. They have fun with you. And that's something that most people just don't, you don't have fun with reporters. That's not a, that's not a thing. Right. And you've never ever seen it in sports before. I call this sports comedy. Like a lot of people just try to, and the thing is, it's, it's authenticity. I've never seen it before and I'm doing it. You know, it's, it's pretty funny too, because a couple of years into doing this, People over like, oh, this is Nardwar. This is all this type of stuff. And look, I like music, but I never knew who he was until people started pointing that out to me. And then I started watching. I'm like, oh, I see why they say that. Because we're both unique. We're both goofy. We're outlandish and out there and stuff like that. But if you really pay attention, like my stuff has nothing to do with it. I, I'm, I'm, I, what I say is this character is Rodney Dangerfield meets Craig Sager, sports first, comedy second. I, I look up to the John Belushi's, the Chris Farley's, the Harry Carey's, like those are the people that I'm looking up to and I see it. So I just take my own modern shtick and uh, I put it together like a big movie in my head during when I was in high school that came out was Borat. I had no idea what it was. I went in theaters and I saw it and it just blew me away. That type of Sasha Barico and like coming out there and just shocking everybody and uh, I love that kind of stuff, man. And, and, and the world is too short. So uh, to uh, life is too short for you to not have fun and keep people on your toes. It's crazy with that movie Borat because like, so, like Sasha did that series called The Spy. Have you seen that? I haven't seen The Spy, but I, I've seen Ali G. And it's just so epic. I mean, it, you go from this guy playing a complete goon character to like the most OG serious human on the planet. And you're like, yo, that, that he's the real deal, you know? Yeah. Why the UFC? Were you into like MMA your whole life? No, man. So I actually started with, when I started this character, it was the NFL and the NBA. That's where I started the two most popular sports in this country where you can make money. Like my last job in corporate America was for USA Today Sports. I was consulting sports websites. And, you know, I, my passion growing up was always the NBA and basketball. I was always playing basketball. That was my favorite sport. And I love football too. The pivot I made into combat sports, I was actually doing boxing before I was doing the UFC. But what I realized with this character, and it was easier and better for me, I liked it because all these NFL and NBA players, these team sports, they're all entitled. Like they, all these kids, they grow up being pampered in AAU basketball, that like they're getting shoes thrown at them, they're getting fed since they're the age of 10, 12 years old, football players with Pop Warner. When I was at USA Today, I was covering the Nike Elite 11s, and I will never forget, there's this quarterback now, his name's Tate Martell, who's, um, he was like the number one or number two quarterback in the entire country, and now he's like falling off the cliff. He might even be dropping out of Miami, a school he transferred to from Ohio State. He's 22 years old. He's still trying to figure things out. Point is, this kid, I watched him get spoon-fed all this stuff by like Bleacher Report and all these other sports media entities. Like these kids gave out their phone numbers and they built up all this entitlement. When I pivoted into combat sports, it was the best move I could have ever made because all these fighters, you're only as good as your next fight. 
and you got this bravado macho mentality around it and all these people are so afraid and uh you know for me part of the reason why i love sports too is i'm a big fitness enthusiast like i keep myself in shape and then i look at some of these reporters no offense in all sports it's like dude like you cover sports and you're sitting there just drinking beer and and eating pizza and donuts and you don't even take care of yourself but you're going to criticize someone for their performance like what the hell is that like there's a whole bad bad culture about that so um i hit that on headstrong too as well but uh yeah, man. Uh, combat sports was just a pivot I had to make in order to keep the character going and to uh, survive on my own as an entrepreneur. That's so interesting. Yeah, I fell in love with the UFC through my friend, uh, um, Matt. So Matt kind of went through a similar journey as you. He wanted to be a sports agent and it was just so hard. He reached out to so many different people, couldn't get it in. Eventually, he reached out to some New York City like uh, a sports agent for an internship and said, hi, my name is Matt Dodge. I'm 6'4". I'm the quarterback for USC. I, I want to speak to X about, you know, potential sponsorships. We got through the assistant, right? Next thing you know, he's like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm actually not 6'6". And uh, I just am looking for an opportunity to, to get into this industry. He en- ends up, you know, flying the next day, gets the interview, gets in, and he started doing the NFL deal. And he started looking at it. it was so crowded. So just like you're mentioning the space, just to kind of build a brand and make a name is just so difficult. Eventually he found the UFC and MMA. And I, with this podcast, I love him. He's like one of my best friends. He ended up signing a fighter, Andre Yule. I don't know, uh, you know, Andre. Um, yes, I do. He had a very impressive victory. Um, and actually Matt uh, reached out to me to interview him and I'm like, Hey, I would, but I'm leaving a fight Island. Let's do it when I get back. Oh, amazing. That's he has no idea. I reached out to you either. So that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. But no, but that's exactly what it is too. No, I've been a big UFC fan for years. Um, my college roommate got me into it when we were in Tucson, you know, he used to train at a gym where, you know, a big popular fighter, WEC legend and future all-famer Dominic Cruz was. Um, So I, I, and then when I moved to to LA by 2013, I was watching it religiously, you know, Ronda Rousey coming up, Chris Wyman, Shock and Anderson Silva, not once, but twice. And I was always a big fan. Conor McGregor's coming up. So I was watching it while I was, before I even created the character. And while I was creating the character, I was still focusing on NFL and NBA. It's crazy how it ended up pivoting to me doing the UFC and MMA and I, I wouldn't change it for, for the world. I really wouldn't. But uh, Matt, Matt uh, being your buddy, that's, that's funny on the timing of this. I just moved to Miami too. So he lives like a mile from me. So we watch all the fights together. But it's interesting because I interviewed Andre on the podcast and just like that was my first taste of kind of seeing like the come up journey of a fighter and like the humbleness of a fighter. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I mean, these people are are just, they put so much into every fight. It's so do or die for them, you know? Like winning is the difference between being able to like legit feed families for years. You know, it's it's crazy. And then to think about how few people make it, you know, like the percentages of like how many people make it to college football and then from college football to the NFL, then from the NFL to actually making big money in it. It's like so small and it's so competitive. I think it'll definitely expand, right? As just the sport continues to just get more and more. And now you got the Fight Island gig, which clearly, I mean, Dana White's your buddy. I mean, like he's making moves. I mean, this is, it's an incredible time to be in the industry. Certainly is. Uh, mixed martial arts, uh, fast uh, MMA, 
fastest growing sport in the world. And what Dana White's been able to do during this global pandemic, literally the UFC being the first professional sports organization to not only come back, but to continue to put on fights every single weekend. There's a UFC event every single weekend, whether it's a fight night or pay-per-view. It's absolutely amazing what Dana White's been able to do, what he's been able to sustain, and how this growth it just continues. And being in the forefront of ESPN now, um, this ESPN deal, being there for Saturday nights, literally like, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur through heart. The bloodline of ESPN Plus, content-wise, subscription-wise, is because of MMA fans. It's because of what Dana White's doing. And that cannot get twisted. Like that, the success of that platform, I fully, fully believe is the responsibility of Dana White and the UFC. Interesting. And with one thing, you know, you, when you're watching the UFC, you got like three options, right? Like ESPN plus you got the actual pay-per-view, then you got like the fight pass. Right. And like, I feel like they're, they're constantly switching between those three based on who the fighters are and, and, and what the stakes are. Do you think more networks will get involved in the future? Or do you think like, how do you think it'll continue to pace? Um, and I think you want to know my honest opinion, uh, business wise, I don't even think the UFC needs a network. I think they could build this whole thing without even an ESPN in the future. And just like how I don't think I need a network to do what I'm doing and other people for the future. I think the big model too is they use uh, the ESPN plus, you know, everyone pays, what is it? $4.99 a month. And you can't order the pay-per-view unless you have ESPN plus. That's how they get you. It's pretty funny how that works. But, um, you know, I, I think the 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 pay the 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 subscription model is the future. That's been proven. You know, that's why the streaming services like the Netflix and the Hulu's they're extremely successful, and that's the model. And I think ESPN. Ne- it's crazy to think ESPN never had that model until the UFC came. They didn't have that. They did not have that type of model with pay per views and everything. That's that's what the UFC coming there brought them to do. And it's crazy how that ended up unfolding. But uh, I, I don't think they need them. Um, in terms of uh, skin in the game and other networks, I think it's uh, who knows exactly what the future holds. But um, I just personally think they don't need them after this contract runs up in 2025. And if anything, this pandemic has proven that. It's so interesting, too, just like the amount of support all around the world for this sport, right? Like it's just growing and growing, like the amount of eyes that are on the prize. It's only getting crazier and crazier now just to kind of shift the conversation toward your particular business and, and doing the Schmo and doing the Schmo Zone podcast and all that. When did you first feel like that character had some like legs on it? You know, like you build this character, you start doing these interviews. Do you have like a viral video or like what point takes you? Because I know a lot of people that are really successful in terms of having like the foundation built in terms of the podcast world and like media personalities and stuff, but they haven't gotten the takeoff, right? They haven't gotten the buy-in from others. Where do you feel like that really kind of hit for you? So it's kind of like a two to three part answer for you. Uh, The first part is the second I created the character, I knew it would be a huge success. I had the confidence, the belief in the work ethic. I knew it hadn't been done in sports before. I knew that this was the way to go. This is the way to do it. Um, I'll build it. They'll come. It will happen. So the next transition is when I built this character, I was still working for USA Today. When I was able to convince my bosses to let me do this, I I did everything and I still do everything. I, 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 I created my own set there. I booked the talent. 
I, I write the questions. Um, I edit the content. I mean, I do, I had to teach myself to edit. That was a huge moment in my life too, as teaching myself how to edit because like once you learn how to control the narrative and, and edit your own content, like the, the self uh, efficiency is what you need. So you're not waiting on other people. Um, but when uh, my second guest on the Schmo and the Pro when I built at USA Today was Terrell Owens, the Hall of Famer. When I had T.O., when I convinced him, finagled my way to get him on the show, it opened the floodgates. It showed that, oh, other athletes, oh, man, uh, we should come here. You know, I became part of the car wash in the lot where I was in Los Angeles. Like, they go to L.A., they go to ESPN, Fox Sports, the NFL Network. Oh, then they go see the Schmo at USA Today. So I was able to uh, finagle my way and do that. Um, but when I really had my viral moment, it didn't come until April of 2019 at the UFC 236 Atlanta press conference. The first time I, I asked a question, I had the last question. Um, it was a do or die moment for me and my life hasn't been the same since. That was, um, that was the pivotal turn for me where I knew that my life would never be the same. Pretty sure I remember seeing a video of that question too. It was like the whole panel of people. You just get up yeah. there and you just rip this heart. You're rocking the jersey. Like you just look super fresh. Everyone's just like, who the F is this guy? And you just piece. nailed yeah. it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I had that planned, man, uh, for a couple of weeks. And uh, it was my first time ever asking a question at a press conference. I had been covering the USC by that point for about 10, 11 months, um, you know, spending money on my pocket. Uh, to, to go to any events and to cover this stuff. And that was my wit's end. And, you know, the day before I told my dad and I told my girlfriend, Helen, like, you know, this will either go extremely well, like I'll be a hero and, and things will, will be well for me or I'll, they'll kick me out and I'll never cover this stuff ever again. And luckily the, uh, the former, not the latter happened and uh, good things happened. I think they, uh, it's pretty clear that the, this community and these people respect courage. And I think you showed courage and you showed like, hey, look, like I might not be, you know, an absolute monster, you know, that just destroys people with their pinkies, but I'm out here, you know, let's, let's find out what's going on. <laughs> Too many people, man, are afraid. And um, you, I, I have the work ethic and the confidence to, to do things. And the worst thing that could ever happen to you in life is people say no. It could be no right now, but that's not no forever. And and life is way too short, man, to just be afraid. And and I spent a lot of time in my childhood being afraid of what other people thought about me. And uh, at some point growing up, that clicked. It's like, what am I doing wasting my time fearing all that type of stuff? We're all human beings, man. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. You know, um, we've just got to enjoy things and we got to make it work and, uh, you know, live life with no doors left on on open some of these fighters too i mean like their work ethics and their their come-ups and their stories are just so incredible and insane and, and you've been able to become like really good friends with all like many many of these people is there a one fighter that has stood out to you amongst everyone else when it comes to the category of just the come up and just awe inspiring almost that just made you just believe in yourself more than anyone else well I have a good relationships with a lot of fighters, as you suggested, but um, there is a fighter that, um, you know, I'm pretty close with him. A lot of people in the, the diehards or people that are fans of me see this. I, I, I hang out with Henry Cejudo quite often. And what I really, really appreciate about Henry 
is how good of a genuine human being he is. I see how he interacts with younger generations and how much he cares and gives back. Um, you know, he's an Olympic gold medalist, as everybody and their brother-in-law knows. And he's also a champion in two different weight classes. He's done something that no one else in combat sports has ever done before. He's got a legacy, whether you hate him or love him, the cringe or not. Uh, you know, he's done things in this sport that no one else has ever done. His work ethic, his mindset, the character that he has, the obstacles he's had to overcome, and to be a, of someone of good character and good nature and continue to give back. And I know a lot of people don't really necessarily see that side. I tried to bring it out a little bit in the podcast, but he doesn't matter what's so good about him because we had him on recently um, is that he's still so strong with staying in character. But in between the character, between the line, you could see who he really is deep down inside. And um, I think he embodies a lot of the different things and struggles and, and, and triumphs, the achievements and everything that, that I've had to overcome in my unique ways in my life. And a lot of people can relate to in their own personal lives as well. That's very powerful. Thanks for sharing that. And you mentioned the character deal it's interesting because like the UFC fighters that build these characters are the ones that get the most fans and the most love and get the biggest fights. I think that is another reason that just goes so well with the schmo, right? You are a character just like everyone else. And the people respect the hell out of that. Man, I, I grew up loving watching wrestling, the WWF, the WCW, like Mean Gene Oakland, the, the, the best wrestlers, like The Undertaker, that Paul Bearer, they had these managers. And I embody that same type of concept. And someone like Henry Cejudo and even a guy like Colby Covington, they champion those WWE uh, days. Daniel Cormier champions WWE stuff. In fact, we're probably going to see Daniel Cormier DC in the WWE. Like you see a lot of these guys uh, cross over to WWE uh, to an extent. Like that stuff, those day and age, I don't watch it anymore. I don't think it has half the quality it used to have, but like, I had so much inspiration from Macho Man, Randy Savage, the ultimate warrior and stuff like that. Like the way those guys could do promos, that stuff has been missing in, in combat sports, I felt, until I was able to inject the schmo in there to an extent. The schmo, there it is. How do you see the schmo building up from here? Like, are we getting like schmo, like candy necklaces that I can just be eating during the day? You know, well, how are you going to build a I'm building the Schmo glasses line right now. Everyone asks, oh my God, where are those glasses? Where are those glasses? Well, I'm in the midst of building those glasses out to the public. Schmo glasses will be sold to the public. I'm hoping it will be ready at least by pre-sale by Thanksgiving. And it's all in the works. That's something that people have been asking for years. And you ask, where do I see myself? I've, I've had the same objective since I started. I want to be the number one sports personality in the entire world. I just want to continue to wake up every day, talk sports, make people laugh, have a late night show of sports, like a Stephen Colbert type thing. Like uh, take, take a, like the Taj.0, like green screen type opening monologue. Then we have the Schmo versus the pro where I do some sort of competitive feat against the that's pro. A, I, that's such a good Gabble. brand right there. I love the Schmo versus the pro. That was awesome. And, I, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm in the works of doing some stuff like that. Uh, stay tuned. I might be doing something with the newest UFC signee, Michael Chandler, possibly before Abu Dhabi when he comes here for, as the alternate. 
Um, and then uh, the Schmo and the Pro in studio have have a guest in studio, and it could be an hour show. That guy can make that format thirty minute show. But um, I just want to continue to um, inspire people that um, look with hard work, confidence, consistency, persistence. You can really do anything you want in your life. If I can do it, anyone can do it. And you know, I'm an ordinary person. You know, dad grew up as a dentist, turned into an entrepreneur. My mom's a salesperson. Uh, she sold contact, len- contact lenses, you know, um, grew up in the Northwest suburb of Chicago. Like I had no connections in sports and a lot of people in my industry, they get to where they are because their parents knew somebody or connection in sports. I didn't have that. And if I can do it, someone else can do it. Look, everyone in life is not dealt the same hand of cards. You have to play the, the hand that you're dealt and do the best with it. And um, it is what it is. No complaints. That was a sh moment right there. <laughs> if you could go back, right? Like now that you saw that time when you spoke at that press conference and obviously everything you did leading up to that press conference prepped you to even perform at that press conference the way you did to get that moment, right? But knowing what you know now, if you could have like went back even five years prior, like even before you went to college, like what would you have done different? And obviously the best answer, right, is... I wouldn't have changed anything. It made me who I am today. But assuming that you can't say that, like what are maybe one, two or three things that you would have put out if you could see yourself today? I mean, it is such a crazy question because like um, everything led to the next thing. Like all the failures led to the successes. You know, when, when a door was closed, another door opened. A step sideways or a step backwards led to uh, two steps forward. So... I think um, in terms of answering that question, I guess I could say to myself, what the heck took me so long to go on to the world platform? Because when I was doing the Schmo versus the Pro, or the Schmo and the Pro rather, uh, for 10, 11 months in the UFC, um, I was just doing my usual shtick where I go one-on-one next to the athlete. And I wasn't talking in press conferences. I wasn't asking questions to be seen on other people's platforms. I was so reluctant to YouTube. So, so maybe the answer to that question is um, to be more open-minded to a platform like YouTube. I was late to the game. Uh, where I was coming from at USA Today, consulting sports websites, I was more concerned with having my own video player and putting pre-roll in front of it and, and monetizing that way. I wasn't open-minded to the YouTuber world. And I would say to myself, look, um, all platforms work, uh, consistency with all social media work. It might not be the sexy thing. You might not like it. It might be tedious, but just do it and don't be afraid. Yeah. The consistency matter too. Uh, we've had a couple of pretty significant YouTubers on just living in the LA space. You just, you meet them, right. And like to see how they do their journey. Like they started with a few videos. They were consistent. I mean, this one dude, Matt Santoro, he's got like four or 5 million followers on YouTube. Next thing you know, he just did like every day, he did these like top 10 facts on every Friday. And he was making 100 Gs a month at a time just because he was so consistent. And people don't actually hit that turning point for four to five years of consistency. And like people always look like the overnight success, but they don't realize all that stuff that happened in the past. And but you enjoy, like, if you don't enjoy the journey of coming up, you won't ever get to that turning point, right? Like you yeah. own it. You are the schmo. Like you're a template of how this whole, and would you ever think about 
expanding into a sports agency that takes this sports comedy type of flow and creating some sort of like media agency around sports comedy? 100%. It's hard to know exactly what that looks like. It's so I have such a crazy work ethic. And Helen, my girlfriend, she shares that with me. It's so hard to find that breed of human that is willing to endure. Like people don't realize we're willing to camp out for five, six hours just to get a five minute interview, a three minute interview. We're willing to make so many different sacrifices that other people aren't willing to make. And I, and I mean it by all extent when I say sacrifices. You, there's opportunity costs with everything in life. How bad do you want it? And if it, there are people out there, um, but um, it's hard to find who truly wants it. I get hit up daily by people. Oh, I want to be in your team. I want to do this. What should I do? And I'll reach out. I'll follow up as, as much as I can when I can see it. I'm one human and it's pretty overwhelming now because I come from people who didn't even know who I was or want the time of day to even talk to me or bat an eye or do anything. And it's interesting to see this now. And I'm never going to change who I am. I always am who I am. The amount of money you make or the, the fame and notoriety won't ever change who I am. But um, I'll always know my roots and always be grounded. But it's hard to find those people. So the answer to your question is, I can do that, but I can't do it alone. I, a good leader needs to know how to delegate. And um, there's only so much time in the day that I have, and I can only control what I can control. And when you're running a business and wearing six to seven different hats, like I do on a daily basis, like every minute of every day kind of adds up and has a level of importance. Um, so um, ideally, I'm open-minded to that, but as of right now, like this very moment, I, I don't see what that path could look like, but that could change tomorrow, a year from now, five, 10 years from now. That's like the number one problem that you see like the, to, to get to that, that next, next level of just getting your, your message out there. Obviously with the platforms we have today, you can grow by yourself tremendously, but to be able to actually like find somebody that you give the keys to the car to so tough you know it's so tough man uh, it's like uh it's funny too because th- there's people that reach out to me too that that want to help out with anything and even something like graphics so and i'm always hesitant with people like that because it's like okay they want to make graphics they they they're even offered to do it for free but why so you could tag them and you can do all that type of stuff fine that's great but then i have to like vet it out because it's like some of these people, they'll drop off after two weeks because they're like, oh man, I don't realize how much videos, how much work in there. Like, it's not like it's hard for them to make graphics, but sometimes I'm churning out, you know, 10, 10 videos in, in 48 hours. And it's like, it's the nature of the beast because we wake up one day and it's like, look, if there's opportunity, I'm going to run and I'm going to grab it. And I'm going to take it. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines because if I don't take it, someone else will take it. And pretty much I eat what I kill, you know? How much money do I want to make? Okay, depends how much you want to work. How how much do you want to do for that? And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I'm just, I find so many people that just don't have the inner beast in them to do that as well. Yeah. And the content engine to bust that stuff out. I mean, we, I've made videos like, you know, just, just for even for this podcast, it's no joke. I mean, it's a, 
it takes time, right? Just rendering. If you if your computer isn't good enough to just render on the road, it's it's a bitch, you know. Oh yeah, man, that was a big big birthday gift for myself. My 29th birthday was to get myself uh, my new work computer because I just I needed I needed one that had up to speed that had storage space, you know, that I, that would be fast enough. But you're 100 percent right, man. How many times can you probably say to yourself, shoot? Like, what am I, I'm just sitting here waiting for this video to upload, you know, this internet's so slow or my computer is not up to speed or just the little tweaks that just add up so much time in the day that, that, uh, people just don't realize there's so much work involved. So much work. But the interesting thing is, is that if you do figure it out, and I think that the people that just don't give up at that, they'll eventually get it. If you don't, if you figure it out, then eventually like things change too. And the media business is so interesting because anybody today can go start a media company. And I like to think about it in the sense, like in the, like with a smile, like anybody can do it. Like if I learned SEO tomorrow, I can go take a master class at Udemy and learn how to do SEO, learn how to do SEM, learn how to do, um, create click funnels. Right. And then I could go call up 50 to 60 year olds that run businesses for as dentists or doctor's offices, you name it. And I could get convince them, Hey, look, let me take advantage of, let me take advantage. Let me control your marketing. Let me do this for you. Pay me 2000 a month. You outsource that for a thousand a month. You just collected 12,000 annual off of that client. Like anybody can go do that today. That is a business model that works just like the old landscaping business model. When you were younger, you started pushing lawnmowers. If you actually did that as an adult and you scaled that out, you can build a business. You can build a business doing anything. If you just go out and just and just go do it, right? Like it's, it's complicated until you learn it. Once you learn it, it's easy. It's like a language. But I think that we're going to see more and more people. Well, people are already realizing that now. And with COVID, I think that's transforming the entire industry of just corporate America. And people are realizing they don't have to go to a job anymore. They can work from home and be just as effective. You know what I mean? For sure. And a hundred percent. I would say though, the difficulty though with sports, um, it's, it makes it very, my job had to pivot a lot with COVID-19. Like, you know, obviously I'm here, I'm getting tested. The athletes are getting tested. I've had three COVID tests already in the past 48 hours. I could still do these face-to-face interviews. I got in before this COVID era. It's going to be very difficult for anybody in sports to do face-to-face interviews just to start off to be trusted and everything. Into There's no model to do what I pulled off. It's very, very difficult. I only was able to pull this off. (laughs) I squeezed in there because I was... I was a part of it to an extent. Like I was working for those corporate jobs. I got the experience for working in someone else's expense. I learned the system. I built the trenches. I paid to be an intern in this industry. Um, I, I, you know, it's, I paid to work. How many kids say would say, oh, I want to be an intern. I'll pay to be an intern. No, no, they expect money. They expect like literally like a salary to an extent to be an intern. The mindsets reversed even eight years later. Like, um, it, it, there's a level of sacrifice that needs to go into it that people are just not willing to take or willing to expand on. It might suck right now. It might suck for a couple of years. But if you put in the work, the light is greener at the end of the tunnel. And some people are, are just not willing to take that. So all in all, um, yes, you're a hundred percent right. You know, you can start anything, you can do any type of business, but you need creativity. And what 
I've learned and my crutch, content is king. I'll pay to work. That is some powerful stuff right there. People don't, even like when you apply for a job, someone <clears throat> submits their resume through, you know, angel list or just through some sort of like quick fix, but people don't take the time to reach out on sales navigator or LinkedIn to even get that in or even find their email on Hunter or contact out and send that random message, right? Like there's so many other ways and paths forward, but are you like a savage enough to just go and take all of them? And clearly you did all of it. I, I mean, the best investment you can make in life is in yourself. I've, and if you don't believe in yourself, you don't invest in yourself, you can't expect anyone else to do it for you. I spent thousands of dollars on myself in order to build this. And, and I've made that money back, obviously, but it took some time. Like when I did that question in Atlanta, that press conference, that money was all out of my pocket to buy a plane ticket, to get in a hotel room, to go to Atlanta, to, to do what I did. And in fact, that was my last draw. That was my last opportunity. That was the last time I could afford to do that. When I was budgeting everything and making it all work, that was my custard's last stand, my last hurrah. And it paid off. It was a gamble on myself. And you have to be willing to gamble on yourself. Um, it's, it's, it's a killer mindset. It's killer be killed, man. It's, there's lions and there's sheep. Which one are you? Out of all the future fights coming up, which one are you most excited about? Like I can't wait for this Paulo Costa Israel Adesanya. That's it's, gonna it's just, be so amazing. It's, it's, I can't. I cannot wait for it. Um, you know, under the radar a little bit. It's just been so long since we've seen him. I want to see what kind of Brian Ortega is going to return. Brian Ortega, Korean Zombie. That fight has been supposed to be made for a long time now. Uh, what the heck? I mean, the, the whole featherweight division's kind of had a hold up at the top. That log jam. Can't wait for that. And. How could you not be excited for? Everyone's excited for, obviously, Justin Gaethje and Habib Nurmagomedov. Like, uh, it's too easy to pick. I mean, these fights are amazing. With the promotion aspect of it, you really see the insides about, like, the behind the scenes of these, of these athletes that are making these fights. What have you learned about that? You know how, like, every, there's fighters that probably only fight, like, once or twice a year, and they're just these massive fights, and they have so many opportunities, but they eventually pick one or two and you know they make a killing off of them like what have you learned about that like that picking the right opponent and the whole promotion side as a fighter to pick the right fight absolutely i think uh it's very important to pick the fight card is it going to be a fight night is it going to be a pay-per-view are you going to be entitled to pay-per-view bonus points like the payment structures of that strategically as well it's uh if you look at this upcoming fight card with israel adesanya he's got four other teammates from that city kickboxing team you know fighting on this card kaikar france that that's another one brad riddell just to name a few like these guys are strategically placed on fight cards around their coaches and their teams and guys are making these business decisions based off of who's going to be surrounding them their team wise you know payment when it's going to be that time of year like is someone going to take a fight uh the day uh before uh, after thanksgiving or that weekend of thanksgiving then they can't have thanksgiving with their family christmas with their family oh but by the way the payday could be bigger if we do this fight card over in australia versus the united states or or better yet how about if we're doing a fight card in vegas rather than new york now you don't have to pay state income taxes right uh versus new york and the the athletic commissions too um, the judging and the scoring system, that weighs into it. 
I see all those different logistics factor into it. And look, it's more than saying, oh, hey, I got so-and-so in front of me, this opponent, this ranked person, this not ranked person. It's where's it going to be located? What's the opportunity cost of making money? Um, and uh, what's the teammate situation like? The, all those different elements I've learned really, really factor in. And then you, literally every fight could be your last fight in this world, oh, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you got to make it work. You got to make it count. I'm excited for when you talk to Matt. I, like, I can't wait to listen to you guys speak. I feel like you guys are going to vibe really well. Um, but, man, listen, honestly, I got to say, you're just so polite. Like, you're such a nice person. And I can see how you would mesh well with, with what you're mentioning with Henry and just some of these athletes. Um, the schmo is a huge success. You're a good person. That's because of it. And I think you're really paving the way and inspiring a lot of people to truly go out there, get crazy, get the hustle going, have fun because you're having fun at the end of the day. Yeah, you work your tail off, but during those moments, you're having a blast hanging out with those fighters. You're just euphoria. You got this amazing partner. You guys run this amazing podcast and it's only up from here. So you don't got to hear it from me, but keep going, Shmo, man. It's only, it's only getting up, man. I, I'm excited for you. Thank you, man. As I say, the schmo must go on. And, and, you're, and you're right, man. Uh, we're having a blast. Like, I, 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 I'm so fortunate I don't have to do a nine to five. You know, I, I eat what I kill, but I love it, man. I wouldn't do anything. I just want to wake up every day, talk sports and make people laugh. And I get to do that. And it's such a blessing to be able to inspire others and continue to do that. And I have very lofty goals. And, uh, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm climbing and I feel it. And um, I really appreciate your kind words. It means a lot to me. For all the peeps out there that are new to the Shmo, where can people find you? Where should people go? Drop the yeah. links. Yeah, um, all my social handles, Instagram, Twitter, at the Shmo 312. Um, 312 being Chicago's biggest area code. I, I always mention Chicago. The Shmo on YouTube. Uh, go give that a follow. That's big. The, go follow the Schmozone podcast. Um, that's um, we put the Schmozone podcast. Uh, it's available wherever you listen to download your podcast: Apple, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, um, anything you want. Spotify. Uh, it's also on the Schmoz YouTube channel. And then when you're at it, uh, why don't you go ahead and follow my girlfriend, who's also great, uh, Helen Esports at Helen Esports, because um, she's right there with me along this journey. Amazing. We appreciate you. I'm looking forward to staying in touch. And with that said, we out here. Enjoy the fights. It's going to be in a great event. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. We're out. We're out. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.